The Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, Episode 25. Welcome back to the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast. I'm Jim Gaston, your host. In the last episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we reviewed the book, Hawaii Recalls, Selling Romance to America, Nostalgic Images of the Hawaiian Islands, 1910-1950, written by DeSoto Brown and published in 1982. Mr. Brown describes how the growth of tourism in Hawaii promoted a romantic and often unrealistic image of life in Hawaii that encouraged visitors to experience Polynesian paralysis in a tropical paradise. Today we're going to review the book, The Journey is Everything, a Journal of the 70s, written by Helen Smith Bevington. This book is, as the title describes, a journal of Helen's life and experiences from January 1970 to December 1979. Helen Smith was born in 1906 in Afton, New York. She grew up in Worcester, New York, where her father was a Methodist minister. Helen had a difficult childhood, but her life was rich with material for a writer. Her parents' tense marriage dissolved shortly after her birth, when her mother discovered that her father, a Methodist minister, had been conducting an affair with a young member of his congregation. The scandal left Helen's father without a job and Helen and her mother homeless and nearly penniless. Helen's tumultuous childhood became the subject of her 1965 memoir, Charlie Smith's Girl, which describes the hardships she and her mother faced after the divorce and the gradual disintegration of Helen's relationship with her father. Helen was a good student, and she loved to read and write. After attending the University of Chicago and earning a degree in philosophy, she proceeded to write a thesis about Thoreau and earned a master's degree in English from Columbia University in New York City. In 1928, she married Merle Bevington, and the newlyweds traveled abroad, but returned to the United States after the 1929 stock market crash. In 1931, Helen and Merle would become parents to their first child, David, who would follow in his parents' footsteps and become a distinguished professor of English and a preeminent Shakespeare scholar at the University of Chicago. In 1970, David would take his family, wife Peggy, and four small children, to Hawaii for a year while he was visiting professor of English at the University of Hawaii in Honolulu. We will learn more about Helen's visit to Hawaii in her book, The Journey is Everything, a journal of the 70s. Both Helen and her husband Merle taught English at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, starting in 1943. Helen was a poet, a diarist, and an essayist. Mostly, she was a writer. She loved to write and would spend endless hours each day writing and editing her work. In addition to her 12 books on poetries and essays, Bevington's work appeared in the New York Times Book Review, The Atlantic Monthly, The New Yorker, and The American Scholar. Helen received numerous awards and recognition for her work, including the Roanoke Chowan Award for Poetry in 1965 and the Mayflower Cup in 1974, both awards given by the North Carolina Literary and Historical Association. Her first book, Charlie Smith Girl, published in 1965, was autobiographical in nature 
and the runner-up for the Pulitzer Prize. Charlie Smith's girl was banned by the library in the small town of Worcester, New York, where Helen grew up, because the book tells of her minister's father's having been divorced by her mother for affairs that he was carrying on with younger female parishioners. This censure was a distinction Helen enjoyed. In an interview about the book, Helen stated, It's a place dear to me. It's an honor to be banned there. Nobody gets banned. She told another reporter that writing was one way she coped with the loss of her husband who died in 1964. Writing helped ease the endlessly difficult task of living alone. Helen would usually write from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. When writing, the hours pass, she said in 1979. I write every day for as long as I can, and I can rewrite for hours. Helen was also a great teacher over many years at Duke University, where she taught creative writing, literary criticism, and English literature. She was awarded full professorship in 1970. Reynolds Price, the James B. Duke Professor of English, who was a student of Bevington's in the 1950s and later a colleague and friend, said this about Helen. She was one of the great teachers. Her course in 20th century poetry was one of the most distinguished that the English department offered. It was a tremendously influential course in my own development. What made Bevington compelling in her classroom? Price said it was her very clear love of the subject, her belief in the importance of what she was teaching, that poetry was the prime means by which the English language took to purify and communicate itself most eloquently. After retiring from Duke in 1976, she continued to write and publish, with her last book coming out in 1996. In a 1993 interview, she showed her dry wit in an explanation of her publishing credits, saying that it was a pity to publish a book, because that meant one must start another. The book we look at today is titled The Journey is Everything, a journal of the 70s, and it was published in 1983. The book is a journal or diary starting with January 1970 and continuing month by month to December 1979. Each month, she describes her activities on her personal journey through life. Publishers Weekly stated, Bevington's journal is at once a travelogue, a literary cultural smorgasbord, and a kaleidoscope of personal reflections. Bevington's attitude toward a chaotic world is curious, tolerant, bemused, humorous, ever-responsive. On the first page of her book, January 1970, she indicates where she got the title. She writes, Montaigne was right. The way to take a journey is not to be concerned with arrivals or departures, or in search of something wondrous like Marco Polo or the Three Magi. The journey is everything, to another country, another time, another person's life, and everything is a journey. In this book, Helen describes her many travels to various parts of the world. We're going to focus on her trip to Hawaii, which appears on page 10 during June 1970. She writes, For all I know, Eden still exists on this planet. If so, Hawaii is a place to look. In 13 hours, I reached it by air. 
the loved ones, Peggy, her daughter-in-law, and four small brown children, her grandkids, met me at Honolulu, each clutching a lay of scented yellow frangipani blossoms. We picked up David, her son, on the campus of the University of Hawaii, where he had been teaching for a week. The two-level house we rented had a roofed-over veranda above the swimming pool. A coconut palm leans to study itself in the water. Jungle surrounds us. Mango trees laden with fruit, papayas, limes, banana and avocado trees, scarlet hibiscus flowers, and frangipani. Mina birds squawk and doves mourn. Is this Eden? She continues in the next paragraph with the following. After only a week, the university professors convey to me what is wrong with Eden. Man is in it. You can't work in paradise, not by the sweat of your brow as man is born to do. Something called Polynesian paralysis sets in. You go to the beach instead of the library, dressed in a loud flowered shirt or muumuu. You become a flower child without anxiety or conscience. Life is effortless, therefore unreflecting. I've strayed by mistake into heaven too late. In the next section, July 1970, Helen describes the beautiful rainbows she saw in Hawaii. She notes that even when it rains in Eden, nature provides colorful rainbows. The next section of her book, August 1970, takes Helen to Europe with friends to explore Budapest, Warsaw, Leningrad, Moscow, and Berlin. Then it's back to Durham, North Carolina, and Duke University for the fall semesters of classes. Over the next few years, she would take summer vacations with friends while she continued to teach English at Duke. Then, in September 1976, she retired from teaching. On page 157, she writes, In 30 years of college teaching, I had in mind to convey three skills, all of which I have yet to learn myself. How to read, how to write, how to grow up. Helen lived her life as a journey, not a destination. Her journey was challenging and often difficult. From her early childhood as the daughter of a disgraced minister, growing up poor with her mother, and the death of her husband in 1964. Yet she found solace and purpose in her writings, teachings, students, friends, and family. Everyone has challenges in life. The author M. Scott Peck wrote in his book, The Road Less Traveled, the following statement. Life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it's accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. One extraordinary benefit of experiencing Polynesian paralysis is that it gives you time to be still, relax, and enjoy life, despite the fact that your life might be difficult. Polynesian paralysis can give you a new perspective on life and living. It can help you remember that life is a journey, not a destination. And as Helen Bevington reminds us, the journey is everything. In the next episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we review the book, The Peripatetic Diabetic, Good Health, Good Times, 
and good food for the diabetic who wants to have it all. This book was published in 1984 and written by June Bierman and Barbara Tui. Until then, please take a few minutes each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Enjoy Polynesian Paralysis, the sensible approach to mindfulness. <laughs>